Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you for Andrew. And we want to thank you for the preparation that has gone before. And we want to thank you um, for the obedience that has happened. And Father, for the obedience now and the courage to stand and share a message from you, God. We thank you that you are intimate and that you are personal and that there is something for each individual here from you this morning. God, we can be expectant of what you have for us. God, I pray that you would um, help remove any distractions, Father, distractions that are in our hearts or in our minds, Father, so that we can be open and we can be um, receptive to you and you alone um, and not to anything outside, Father. And God, we just thank you um, for the blessing that Andrew is, and we just pray that you would move powerfully through him this morning. Amen. Someone with more muscles than me, undo that and lift it up a bit. It's not hard. My wife has more muscles than me because she goes to the gym. That might be the secret. Thank you. Hey, how good is it to be back in the room? Is it good? Um, and what a year. We thought 2020 was a challenge. <laughs> That's my nervous laugh. Um, but this message has been on my heart for a few weeks. Um, just somehow ended up in this passage a few weeks ago in my devotions, I think. And um, it's talking about being together. Um, so, and I don't feel I've got it right in my head yet. And this morning I'm saying, God, you know, um, do something with this message. And I felt like he said, well, I always do because I'm faithful to my word. No matter, you know, you bring whatever you can bring and I'll fix it. <laughs> so I'm trusting God to fix whatever chaos is in my head. Um, but it's really coming out of my heart this morning. So we'll see what happens. Um, I believe in Genesis when God looked at Adam and Eve, sorry, he looked at Adam, Eve wasn't around, and he says, it's not good for man to be alone. We often think of that in the context of, you know, marriage and all that kind of stuff, but I think it's broad, I just believe it's broader than that. He says, it's not good for people to be alone. God didn't wire us up to be alone. Um, in my study, some of you know I've been doing a Master's of Counselling. It seems like it's taking forever. But I've always said for years, oh, one day I'd love to study psychology in a Christian context. And I was 48 years old and the opportunity came up and you've got to ask yourself, when's one day? And so I just started and I've loved it. And I've loved it because I think God's the best psychologist. And I see the truth of the word through a lot of psychologists out there who aren't Christians don't realize that they're teaching biblical principles. But there's heaps of biblical principles. And one of them is this theory of attachment. We call it connection. And, um, you know, people out there have been studying this stuff and, and realizing that we need attachment with God and attachment with each other. It's just something that we need. We can deny it all we like, but it's just a need. And it's not a superficial connection, but it's about knowing we are safe. That someone's got our back. That someone may not be perfect, and they may let us down, but they've got our back. Is that okay? Because I think sometimes the enemy takes the lie that when someone lets us down, well, they've let us down and they're off the Christmas card list. You know what? And I haven't said this for a long time from the platform, so I need to say it. If I haven't already, I will let you down. Not because I want to, but because I'm human and because at the end of the day, most of our security should be in God and not in people. But God works through people, so we need them as well. 
And so this morning, I just want to focus mostly on um, the people part. Our mission statement here is love God, love people, love life. It's been that way for a long time, and I don't think it's going to change because it's very biblical um, that we love each other, bumps and all. In light of this, we can reconnect with God, we can hold on to the truth we believe, and we can reconnect with each other. This morning, I want to focus on how we reconnect with each other. The purpose of reconnecting is so that we can be encouraged. Who gets discouraged? You don't have to put your hands up because we all do, don't we? Who gets discouraged? And there's no shortage of things in life to discourage us, is there? You don't, I don't know, I hope no one goes looking for discouragement. It seems to find us, doesn't it? It just seems to find us. And so we need encouragement. I love what Sarah did with the sharing time this morning. Because we need to be encouraged. So I'm going to look at just a couple of verses out of Hebrews 10. And in the beginning of Hebrews 10, it's talking about what Jesus did. If you want an overview of the book of Hebrews in the Bible, it's really saying that, you know, because the, the writer to the Hebrews was encouraging Hebrew Christians who were being persecuted. They were discouraged. And so he's saying, look, you guys had all this stuff in the Old Testament, these old Jewish beliefs, and, but Christ surpassed them all. You guys used to have to do sacrifices, you know, I don't know whether it's every week or every few times a week. And, but Christ was the once for all sacrifice. You don't have to do that stuff anymore. You don't have to work hard and be religious. You can just have faith in Jesus in what he's done. And so this is what the Hebrew, and he comes to chapter 10, he's saying, you know, Christ's um, sacrifice on the cross was enough. And because of that, um, we can reconnect with God. Because of that, we can stand on the truth of his word. And because of that, we can actually reconnect with each other. You know what? I think when we trust, God, trust people, we're trusting God to sustain us when they let us down. <laughs> Does that make sense? And I'm not saying just trust everyone foolishly. I think people need to earn our trust. But I still think we don't want to shut off our heart to trust altogether. So... Um, on your seats are some handouts if that helps you follow where I'm going. But Hebrews 10.24 says, And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Encouragement comes from focusing on God's family. I know we're meant to focus on God, but actually this passage is talking about we're meant to focus on each other too. Um, the word one another is used about a hundred times in the New Testament. And it's used to remind us where God wants our focus, on other believers. When we are focused on one another, the church functions as Jesus intended it to be. We are all encouraged and we are a witness to the world. Remember that? Jesus said, as you love one another, you know, you'll be a witness to the world. Other people will come to believe in me because of your love for one another. We're actually meant to prioritize our relationships with other Christians. Realize that? Not exclusively, of course. But they're meant to be a priority in our lives. One commentator says this of the writer of Hebrews, that he's speaking of a mutual activity, I love this, one in which believers encourage one another, not where the leaders direct the rest as to what they are to do. How good is that? Do you understand the priesthood of all believers in the Bible? What that means is anyone who's a Christian is a minister. That's why me and Melissa called ourselves church leaders, not ministers. We're just doing a function of leadership, but we're no more ministers than anyone in this room who's got a faith in Jesus Christ. Does that make sense? And so our job is just to release all the ministers into ministry. 
And so that's what he's talking about here when he says one another, um, consider how we may spur one another. He's talking about this whole thing that we are the church. This is the building's not the church. Um, we are the church. You are the church and we go out and all together encouraging one another and doing the ministry. Um, the word there, spur on, you'll see, um, I don't know if it come up on there, but it's on my handouts. Um, Hebrews 10.24, the New King James Version says, let us consider one another. So it says to stir up. So spur, spur one another on or stir up can be interpreted in sight. That's interesting. We often think of the word in sight as, a, you know, we've seen some people inciting other people in the last few months, haven't we? But as Christians, we're meant to kind of inspire each other, to stir up. And, and because he says that in this passage, it's not just going to happen. Like Sarah did this morning, we stir each other up. Does that make sense? Um, it implies that it doesn't just happen automatically, but it needs to be intentional. Um, and the other thing there, and I said this a few weeks ago as I was contemplating this message, that these three pillars in 1 Corinthians 13 where it says faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. And one of the commentators in this passage says, um, faith and hope, to some degree, you can do by yourself, right? But love, you can't. Because love is about others. And you may have heard people say, well, I can be a Christian and not go to church. I'll become completely convinced. But actually, I'm not sure you're a Christian if you don't connect with other believers. I'm not saying come to a church like this, but in some way, connect in fellowship with other believers. And we used to, um, some of you know, I used to run the Salvos Discipleship School and I loved it because we'd stick people in dorms together. You know, in the day and age, in the day and age where everyone should have their own room, you know, always going down that road even with rehabs these days. Got to have your own room, got to have this, got to have that. You know what? You don't know how much you love someone until you share a room with them. <laughs> or should I say, you don't know how much they annoy the hell out of you until you share a room with them. And um, some of you, I don't think my mate's mate Mick is watching this morning, but some of you know my mate Mick, and when I shared a flat in Brisbane with Mick for six months, that was enough. <laughs> and, and then, well, see, he's very extroverted, and I'm quite, you know, quiet and that. And we had this old maid living next door. Sorry to her, she's not watching either. And um, she would tell Mick to turn his Christian music down because he'd turn it up really loud, right? And I remember this one night pulling Mick back in the door because he was going to have a go at her. I'm going, mate, I don't know whether she owns these flats or knows the owner, but you're not picking a fight with the lady next door. So I'd had enough. And anyway, we moved out of the flat and we both, I didn't realise this, but I was applying for the school, Salvo's Discipleship School. It's a lot of years ago. And um, having to get accepted, Mick applied for the same school. And guess what? We got to share a room together <laughs> for the next nine months. Don't tell me that God's not committed to my character. <laughs> you know what? And a year later, I was his best man at his wedding. Because the glue between me and Mick wasn't our personalities. It was the spirit of Jesus. See, so stop looking at our differences and allow the spirit of Jesus to reconnect you with the people you're supposed to be connected to. Now, I want to... Sorry to bring a bit of psychology theory in today, but I think this is really helpful if we can have the thing up on the screen. Um, I'll probably tell the story. Actually, hold it off for a minute. Get it ready, but don't bring it up. I need to tell this story. Um, it's a bit personal and it's a bit 
real a bit soon, but I think it's right. Um, last Saturday afternoon, we were having a planning time with the leadership team. And it's just, you know, those coincidences when you just get triggered by something and it's random. And you kind of go, and, it, and you don't have any initial control over it. That's just the way our brain's wired, right? When we get triggered, it's, it's so that when you go out on the road um, and a truck's coming, God's designed us so that the thinking part of our brain goes offline. Because if it didn't, like you think there's no time to be rational when a truck's coming for you on the middle of the road, is there? You don't want to go, oh, that's a big truck. If I, if I stand here, it may kill me. Well, by the time you've had those thoughts, you're dead. And so God's designed our brain to go boop, offline, all the rational part. And the, um, the fight flight system of our brain makes us jump out of the way so we survive. The problem is, is when our rational brain goes offline when it needs to be online. That, I know that's never happened to anyone else in the room. But it happened to me last Saturday, right? And the trigger was just my mum and dad are getting old and they can't come down here anymore. And I've been processing it this week and I realised that I'm grieving and in that grieving I'm yearning. But last Saturday afternoon I didn't have the time to process that, right? So if you want to throw the... um, I'll tell you the reason why I'm illustrating this is... This was from one of my supervisors in my course, but I found it so helpful, right? So this is when we get triggered. So the green is the only place we can do relational connection, right? But the red, like you can see there, is fight or flight. So when we get triggered, we go into fight or flight. That's when our brain goes offline. But that is not a relational space. And then if we're really triggered, like I kind of happened to me on Saturday, I went into the blue. I just went into, and I managed to get through the rest of the meeting, but from Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, last week, I was just offline, right? Um, And so part of me wants to say, if you had any engagement with him last week and I wasn't relationally brilliant, that's just why. Because if you're in the blue or you're in the red, imagine, and this has happened with some of my clients, in, through my prac, one guy was in the red, another person was in, his wife was in the blue, they're not going to be doing relationship well. Does that make sense? And so it's okay if one of us is in the green because often that helps us emotionally regulate and bring us someone else back into the green as well. But if we're both in the red or we're both in the blue, we need to somehow get some space, bring ourselves, bring our brain back online. Does that make sense? I just wanted to share that because I thought, I love this stuff. This is how God wired us up. He wired us up to survive the truck coming down the road. Or, you know, the freeze part's helpful too. If you have a really large poisonous snake coming past your feet, freeze is a really helpful thing. <laughs> right? You don't want to do fight or flight. And you don't want to be friendly to it. You want to freeze. You want to go, ah, I can't move. Right? But... When I'm doing relationship, I don't want to do freeze because that's when I just check out and I'm not home. And no matter how someone's trying to connect with me, nothing's going on for me. Nothing's going to go on for the relationship. Does that make any sense? Is that helpful? Because I just wanted to point, we, we need to try to live a large part of our life in that green area. And I think we can only do that with the help of God to bring peace in our lives. 
And so for me, if I can't find people to help bring me back into the green, um, actually, I probably only did it yesterday morning. I had a wedding to do yesterday, and I was not ready for a wedding, psychologically, emotionally. And I sat in my seat that I like to sit in at home and just went, God, <laughs> seriously? Because I was doing anxiety off the charts. I'm going, I don't know how I'm going to do a wedding tomorrow, t- today. You know what? And, and this is the thing, right? This is the other thing I think we need to talk about is we love to blame. And it's really hard when you don't know who to blame. And I think it's really hard as a Christian because you tend to blame God. So I've been having a bit of a fight with God for a few years now. <laughs> Hasn't gone well. But what, but what we find is I, this week my heart was getting hard. See, and it was getting hard be, be, between me and God. And, I, and yesterday morning I went, you know, God, I, I quit the fight because I really need you. I can't afford. It's like, I don't, you know, it's like when our heart gets hard towards God, it's almost like cutting off the umbilical cord of a baby that's not born yet. Yeah, we, I, and I realized, you know what, God, I don't care. I don't care anymore. Do whatever you want to do because I just need your, because I realized again, duh, that he is the source of my peace. He is the source of my love, love. He is the source of my joy. So I can get all cranky and chuck a tantrum, but I don't want to live without love, joy, peace, and all the other great stuff he brings me. So my choice is, God, soften my heart. Sorry for being a jerk. I need you. Is that all right? So actually, the, the reason I shared all that was that um, if my heart gets hard towards God and I stop the flow of his good oil, I've got nothing for anyone else. And I realized as I reflected back on my week, I'd been selfish. I'd been self-centered. I hadn't been others-focused. I hadn't been caring about others like I normally do. Does that make sense? So don't even try to love one another until we get God loving on us. Does that make sense? Because otherwise we're trying, it's like, I don't know, handing out empty cups. We've got nothing to give. But if we allow God in, then he gives us something to give. It actually becomes an overflow out of our connection with God. I hope that's okay and makes sense. Um, Secondly, encouragement comes from continuing to meet together. Hebrews 10.25, the first part of the verse says, Not giving up meeting together, some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. The Hebrew Christians to to which this letter was written were suffering persecution and they needed each other more than ever. You know, don't, I think this is okay to say, don't trust your human nature. Someone once said to me, their psychologist said to them, Whatever you th- in the beginning of their recovery, whatever you think to do, do the opposite. Interesting, isn't it? Our human nature. Because when the going gets tough, we want to run and we want to hide. And the last thing we need to do is run and hide. We need to stay connected or reconnect. And the Hebrew Christians, this is what the writer of the Hebrews was saying, hey, don't disconnect now. You need connection more than ever. And I believe there's a strategy of the enemy to divide and conquer. If he can trick us into isolating from each other or withdrawing, then he knows that we're so vulnerable. 
and that he can take us out. In the New Testament, oh, this is another thing I just learned in my studies. It's interesting, right? Because I want you to become convinced today, whether you like it or not, that you need other believers and they need you. Because the word saint in the New Testament, and just if you're wondering if you're a saint or not, if you have faith in Jesus Christ today, you're a saint. Isn't that cool? You don't have to build an orphanage. You don't have to donate lots of money to charity. You just have to believe in Jesus. And the Bible calls you a saint. But you know what's interesting? The word saint in the Bible, is, in the New Testament, is only ever in the plural context. It never talks about one. It always talks about saints. And the one place in the New Testament says the word saint, it says every saint. Isn't that interesting? See, God didn't design us to be islands. Yeah, when I was growing up, I don't know where this came from. There used to be this belief around where, you know, um, oh, it'd be great just to be alone on a desert island, in a, in a tropical island. It's like, what? Where did they come up with that weird belief? I'm glad that's kind of died a natural death. Hey? We're not meant to be alone. Um, number three, encouragement comes when we increase this connection. So I love this in the end of um, chapter 10, verse 25. It says, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Now, I don't know how much you've... Anyway, I'm going to refer to 2 Timothy 3, 1. It says, mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. Sorry to be the bad bearer of bad news, but that's just what it says. It says, people will be lovers of themselves. Seen that? Lovers of money. Seen that? Boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy. And the list goes on and on and on. I was listening to a Bible teacher who um, very well studied in the original languages of the Bible. And he said that word there where it says terrible times is most literally translated as ferocious Wow. Do you feel like we've been living in some ferocious times in the last couple of years? Well, the writer of the Hebrews, to the Hebrews, said, and all the more. Connect with each other all the more as you see the day approaching. Why? Because when times are tough, I need you more than ever. And you need me, sorry, more than ever. I'll never forget, and like you know, for a number of years, I was getting pastoral supervision by a guy called Peter Davey. And talk about attachment, that guy lives in my head now. That's what happens with a good attachment relationship. They live in, my mum lives in my head now. My dad lives in my head, and that's a good thing, you know, because they said a lot of smart stuff to me. And so Peter Davey lives in my head. You, some of you hear me quote him all the time. But you know what's interesting? In 2001, Peter invited me to start pastoral supervision. I had no idea what it was. In 2002, our church crashed and nearly split, the church we were running. And I, probably the only one time in my life I had suicidal thoughts, right? God had put the right person there at the right time. And he got me through that season. And so did Melissa, mind you. <laughs> he put her in there at the right time as well. I couldn't have I couldn't have, I want you to hear this, I couldn't have survived that season by myself. The devil or circumstances or whatever would have taken me out. And I'm here today 
because I don't even care if you want to call me codependent. I don't think I am. But when the going gets tough, I go look for those who are still tough. I go look for those who are strong in the faith because I need their encouragement. I need their connection. And you do too. Whether it's the church I grew up in, Nambour, Salvation Army, and the loving encouragement I received there, whether it's the church I went to when I moved to Brisbane, North Brisbane Salvation Army, and I experienced the acceptance and encouragement I needed at that time, whether it's the church I was part of in my early 20s, Eastlake Salvation Army, that encouraged me to share my faith, um, all the churches that me and Melissa have been part of since, where we learned, you know, the thing we've learned probably from Westlake Salvos and here is that the family, you know, um, God sets the lonely in families. You know, that there's a place. Come home. There's a place for you. There's a place for everyone in the family of God. You're all welcome. So this is what I want us to do, right? Um, I've got some handouts on the mercy seats at the front. Mercy seats is just a place to pray. You can come and pray. You're going to come and pray there this morning if you want to, or you just come and grab a handout and read it. Now, what this handout is, we're going to get a couple of slides up. And um, this is a list, right? And it's not a, what do you call it? Comprehensive list. It's only about 36 things on this list. I think there's a lot more of that in the New Testament where it says the word, I think it's 100 times in the New Testament it says the word, one another. And one another's not a job to do. It's about where we're meant to focus our jobs to do. We're meant to focus what we do on one another. Does that make sense? Um, so let's throw them up there. So you can read some of those, and I've taken some out. There's more on the list at the front. But accept one another. Be at peace. <laughs> let's receive that. Be at peace with one another. How good is that? Comfort one another. Who needs some comfort sometimes? Clothe yourselves with humility towards one another. Let me just give you some wisdom. You don't know everything. You don't know everything. And neither do I. So we need to know when to shut up and pull our heads in. Don't we? Seriously. Like I'm being serious today. These are the things that cause us to fight with each other. Because we're not humble enough. You know, it was a really healthy day and a painful day for me when I found out that no one wanted my opinion unless they asked for it. What a great bit of wisdom, hey? I was so sad because I've got plenty of opinion. But people don't want to hear it all, especially in one sitting. So it says, clothe yourselves with humility. You know what? Anywhere I've been across humble people or God's been able to humble me, relationships happen really powerfully. See, pride destroys relationships. Too much, you know what's been wrong with our world the last two years? Too much opinion. Not enough truth. Hey, what an amazing, what's the next, this is only the first page. Hey, there's a, this is only 36 things in the New Testament you've got to do. Pray for one another. We've heard testimony of that already with Kaz. Serve one another. This church served Jess and Caleb yesterday and for weeks, mind you, beautifully. Beautifully. I'm so proud of you all who've served Jess and Caleb. Man, it was, a, it was, a, it was, a, it was massive. That's all I'm going to say about that. <laughs> Submit to one another. That'll keep you humble. Hey, 
Stir up, there's the one we talked about today. Here's a good one for we can practice at morning tea time. When you come together to eat, wait for one another. <laughs> hey, uh, how good is the Bible? Hey, how much wisdom is in the Bible? Don't take all the sausage rolls. <laughs> when you come together to eat, wait for one another. Hey, that's a good word. Get that in your spirit this morning. Hey? So the next slide, thanks, Just. Some of you may have seen this, right? It's called the parable of the spoons. It's just a parable someone made up. I'm not even sure it's necessarily super biblical, right? But I think the principles are biblical. And, and this is just some guy's interpretation of what heaven and hell might be like. Um, hell, he described as a room with food in the middle, but everyone around the table was starving because they had these big, long spoons. And they were all trying to feed themselves. And heaven was the same table with the same food and the same spoons. But people were feeding each other. So what I don't want you to do this morning when you grab this list is think about what you've not received. Because that's where the devil's going to want to take you. When you look at the list this morning... I want you to allow the Holy Spirit to prompt you in what you can do better out of that list by the grace of God and the power of His Spirit. Go back to the list just just for a minute. I can't do any of these things in my own strength. I'm, I'm rubbish at those. You know that. Some of you already know that. I'm not telling you anything you don't know. But when I move in the power of the Spirit, by the grace of God, my gosh, I can smash that out of the park. And so can you. So let's come to him today. You know, when, when God says, come home, we want to come home. He's saying, come to me. Not me. Come to Jesus. Jesus is saying, come to me. Right? So that he can fill us with himself, with his spirit, and empower us to love one another. I want to invite the band up. And I just invite you to do business with God this morning. I encourage you to come and grab a list. If you want to stop and pray, you can. If you just want to grab a list and sit in your seats and meditate, there's plenty there. And um, if you miss out, I can print more. There's at least 50 down there. So um, let me pray. Lord God, we just thank you. Um, Lord, I want to thank you this morning for the wisdom of your word. And Lord, in this world that's too full of information, but seriously lacking wisdom. We thank you for your word. And so, Lord, we thank you for the truth of your word this morning. We thank you for this list of what we can do for one another, straight from your word. And so, Lord, we pray that we'd be able to put your wisdom from your word into practice more and more. And gonna, amen.